Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Fake True Stories. My name is Connor Izagari, and this is a brand new podcast I've started with my good friend and fellow history nerd, Isabel Gonzalez. You may recognize my voice from the Filmgasm podcast, or Oscar Sunday, or Beyond the Bad. Hell, you may even remember the sneak preview if you've been with us long enough. If you think this is just going to be more of the same, think again. This podcast is a history podcast first, and a film podcast second. We'll be taking a look at those films that claim to be based on a true story. How true is that story? What really happened? Are these films true or completely full of shit? I'm excited to find out. But first, let's hear a bit from my co-host, Isabel. Who are you? And why are you here? Hi, um, my name is Isabel Gonzalez. I am a fellow graduate student actually with Connor. I don't know how deep into his personal life he gets on these things because honestly, I don't ever listen to podcasts, but I have listened to some Filmgasm episodes. So don't worry, I'm not like a, I'm just here for the lulz. I, I'm a little familiar with Filmgasm. I just don't know the whole lore behind you guys. But anyway, um, I'm a public history graduate student and a history certified um, state teacher, which is pretty sick. Um, I don't consider myself a movie buff. However, comma, I really enjoy historical films. Um, they're, they're fun for me. So when Connor pitched me this idea, I was pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to, to shit on some movies. <laughs> I have been for so long trying, like on the show grouping we've developed on this, on this team, I've been trying to find somebody who doesn't know anything about movies. I really have been. And I found a couple people who look who were promising and it fell apart. But now I think I finally found somebody who I like, who I can kind of push in the right direction and who has enough knowledge of something else to hold her own. I think this is going to be really fun. I'm excited. Yeah, this is a, um, a long time project I've had the idea for for years now, but didn't really have anybody who could handle it, so to speak. No offense to you guys if you're listening to this. Um, to start this podcast out. We're tackling 300, the film that put Zack Snyder on the map as a director and is loosely based on the real-life Battle of Thermopylae that occurred in 480 B.C. Uh, before we get started on the history, let's talk a bit about the film itself. 300 was a big film. It was a uh, kind of a cultural, kind of one of the first meme movies. The whole, you know, this is Sparta thing was huge. It started Gerard Butler's career, regrettably, and... <laughs> or not. I mean, if you're a fan, personally, not really. Uh, it's based on the graphic novel of the same name by Frank Miller and Lynn Varley that was first published in 1998. So therefore, we can excuse some major historical inaccuracies. Not all, but some. So that's why this film is not a straight historical movie. There's a lot of fantastical weird shit because Frank Miller made a graphic novel and that was the source material. Uh, I haven't read it. But it looks pretty cool. And Zack Snyder is known for kind of taking the panels of comic books and turning them into movies. He did that with Watchmen. So I'm, I'm assuming he did that here. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, following his success with the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder was brought on board to direct 300. He also added the subplot where Queen Gorgo attempts to rally support for her husband's cause. Not a, not a fan of that bit. Yeah, that's not what happened, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zack Snyder doesn't, I mean, as we've seen with his later career, he, I can't tell if he doesn't care at all or he cares too much. It's very it's weird. I've seen, I think, everything he's done at this point because I keep thinking, well, this has got to be the movie that people love him for. And I never seem to find that. I really like 300. I really like Watchmen, but everything else can kind of go to hell. <laughs> What even the Batman movies? He his Batman movie sucked. Yes, I've been yeah. I've been very vocal about that. <laughs> I, I think uh, a lot of people agree with that. I never watched them after the uh, first sit through for sure. Yeah, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice should have been one of the most epic, awesome movies of all time. I mean, to fuck up Batman versus Superman, you got to really be a hack. I mean, you also had a wonderful Superman, which is Henry Cavill, but you know. Yep. You, oh, well. you suck all the joy out of <laughs> Superman, too. You're going to get a bleak movie nobody's going to want to watch. It's all right. We all remember the name Martha because of that movie. Oh, boy. Okay, this is not a Batman-Superman <laughs> podcast, but we Zack Snyder's one of those trigger names where just so much hate flows out of me when I hear his name. It's not just that he made the movies. It's that like the fan base is so loyal, they can't see through his failure. Yeah. 
I don't, it's insane. Uh, yeah, so, all right, this has officially come up on every podcast I have ever curated. So that's, that's great. <laughs> I'm five for five. Fucking <laughs> Snyder. Yeah, we, we hate Zack Snyder here, even though I don't know him at all, except for his name and oh, yeah. that he's a meme. For me, like, I don't know any of these people personally. The work is enough. That's fair. Uh, I would be impressed if you knew Zack Snyder personally. I, I'd be like, dang, Connor. Like, <laughs> I've talked so much shit about him that if he, like, if... If he stumbles onto these podcasts, like, I feel like he would reach out and be like, what the hell? I'd be like, you know the hell. You know why. You know. <laughs> you know what this is about. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, some major Hollywood names that appear in this movie. We've got Gerard Butler as Leonidas, Lena Headey as Queen Gorgo, Rodrigo Santoro as Xerxes, David Wenham as Dilios, Dominic West as Theron, and Michael Fassbender as Stelios. Uh... Gerard Butler. This was his coming out party, so to speak, and he never really did another character. He's pretty much been playing Leonidas in every other movie he's done. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw the Olympus Has Fallen trilogy. Nope. He's basically Die Hard in the White House. Oh, okay. And he just is always this uh, Secret Service agent who's like the president's best friend, and he's always trying to save the president. They were all right. Is he always a groundskeeper Willie accent holding man? That's, yeah, pretty much. Is he from, like, the British Isles? Oh, he's from, yeah, he's okay, from Scotland, straight up. Good. He's I'm not like, just pretending to do that. Like, yeah, he's from Rhode Island. Like, oh. I would <laughs> laugh my ass off if that's just part of his process. It's like, I gotta do the Scottish accent or I can't act. What in WWE is this? He's from Paisley, Scotland. Okay. <laughs> Which, I can't remember if Groundskeeper Willie is Scottish or Irish. He's Scottish. Okay, he's Scottish, yeah. yeah. He's very Scottish. Uh, I, I don't have, I don't have a beef. Against Gerard Butler, I just, I just, I don't think he's that awesome. Sorry. But he's great in this. Like, I don't know what it is about this. Leonidas is the role he was born to play, because he really does go ham on this one. Um, Lena Headey, you may remember her as Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. Uh, the blonde... Evil Queen. Oh, okay. I've seen I've seen pictures again. You know, yeah. like I introduced myself. I don't know a lot about pop culture. Y'all will probably find that out if you listen to this regularly. That's okay. It's like I don't know who that is. You're here for history. Yeah, that's that's my specialty. <laughs> you want me to name you yeah. an actor? I have no idea. This is just setting the stage for the movie itself, um, and it's cool to see her play a good queen because she played a just super crazy bitch in Game of Thrones. Um. Yeah, I thought she was good. Unnecessary, but good. Rodrigo Santoro as Xerxes. This film's depiction of Xerxes is so exaggerated and ridiculous and over the top. And you know what? Okay, fine. I honestly can't remember anything else I've seen Rodrigo Santoro in. I know the name. But unlike our other podcasts where I have shit just written out, I decided to wing this one because I don't get to wing things very often. So, yeah. Yeah, that's how you do it. Um, David Wenham. Delios, our narrator, the guy with one eye. I love David Wenham. Faramir from The Lord of the Rings. Okay. Carl from Van Helsing, that movie I put on that you oh, didn't like oops. that I turned off. <laughs> um, yeah, he's cool. I like him as the narrator, the kind you know, just building Leonidas's legend. I thought that worked well. Dominic West is Theron, the turncoat. He always plays an asshole very well. Um, my personal favorite was as uh, the gangster Billy Rosati, a.k.a. Jigsaw, in Punisher Warzone 2008. Hell of an underrated film. And he's also English, because every European character in film since the dawn of film is English. That's going to be a reoccurring theme on this show. Oh, yeah. That, just, that is <laughs> I always... I can't get over it. I don't know why they keep doing that. They, that, that has not stopped. Ah, oh, it's annoying. And then we got Michael Fassbender as Stelios, who is more just Leonidas' hype man this whole time. And it's cool to see a young Fassbender just showing up. Michael Fassbender has become one of my favorite actors ever since his role as Lieutenant Archie Hickox in Inglorious Bastards, and later as Magneto in X-Men First Class. He's the man. He also did a really good Steve Jobs, a movie we might bring to this show one day. So that's our those are our major players. And this really isn't about the movie, this is about the Battle of Thermopylae. The film is a huge success, grossing $456 million on a budget of only $65 million. It has an IMDb score of 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 61%, and a Letterboxd score of 3.3 out of 5 stars. It spawned one sequel, 
2014's 300 Rise of an Empire, which was nowhere near as good, and we're not going to talk about that, because it kind of sucks. Now, that was fun. Now for what this is really about. The history. Who was Leonidas? Who was Xerxes? These are real people. They existed. Pretty sure one of them wasn't eight feet tall, but, you know, I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, first up, Leonidas. King of Sparta from about 490 BC till his death in 480 BC. So he was only king for about 10 years. <laughs> Which, this movie makes it seem like he was like the first oh, king yeah. of Sparta or something. Oh, yeah. He lost his life at the Battle of Thermopylae. Heroic sacrifice. Uh, they lost the battle. There wasn't... It wasn't as... Like... There were more than just 300 Spartans at this battle. Mm -hmm. There were quite a lot of Greeks. Mm -hmm. There were 300 Spartans, but mm -hmm. it wasn't just 300 Spartans. They were... A lot of credit got stolen here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You forget um, there's estimates up to there were 7,000 Greeks in the battle. Um, that's high. And then as low as like 40, 4,200 about. So you're you're missing a good chunk of people. Um, but that's fine. You know, it's whatever. Snyder, I guess, just only likes uh, Greeks or Spartans. Well, I think I think the fault of that lies mostly on Frank Miller. That's true. Okay, sorry, Snyder. I'm just, I was so used to shitting on you a little bit earlier frank miller oh this is you, this is a safe space <laughs> feel free to shit on snyder as much as you want that's that's what we do here uh <laughs> so most of what we know about leonidas came from the greek historian herodotus mm -hmm. who told the story of the 300 spartans uh leonidas was the son of the spartan king anaxon anaxon i don't know we're gonna go with Anaxandrides. Yeah, that's, that's right good job <laughs> Uh, he became king when his older half-brother, Cleomenes I, died under violent and slightly mysterious circumstances mm. in 490 BC. I'm going to go with Leonidas killed him. Yeah, I mean, that, and that <laughs> makes sense. Like, that's, that's kind of what happened way back when. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, really? How mysterious can that be? Uh, Leonidas, when he became king, he was a military leader. He was a political leader. He had, you know, like all Spartan children, trained to the bone since childhood to be a warrior. Um, he ended up leading his, in a personal guard of 300 Spartans to take on Xerxes and his invading Persian army in 480 BC. Didn't work out very well, nope. but you know, it did inspire the rest of Sparta to rally up and take on the Persians. Which also did not work out very well, but <laughs> there's, there were a lot of Persians numbers, numbers matter when it comes to, hand-to-hand -hand combat. So with that, that's Leonidas. You take all of that, you smush it into two hours, and you've got 300. Now our bad guy, Xerxes, also known as Xerxes the Great, I bet he called himself that, king of the Persian Empire, his official title was Shahanshah, which translates to king of kings. So modest as well. Uh, he, he's an interesting character. He has been mythologized to death because of this movie. Everyone, when they think of Xerxes, they think of this eight foot tall dude covered in jewelry who calls himself a god. And I feel like all but the eight feet tall part was true there. We'll find out. His mother was Atassa, the daughter of Cyrus the Great, who founded the Achaemenid Empire, he was accepted as a great king before really having to do anything about it. He was just like, oh, this guy's awesome. He never proved it. He was just became king. He celebrated for his many building projects throughout his empire and also is known for his campaign against Greece in 480 BC, where he assembled, according to Herodotus, the largest and most well-equipped fighting force ever built. That's pretty awesome. Uh, son of Darius the Great, who, in an effort to punish Athens for their support of the Ionian colonies' revolt against Persian rule in 499 BC, invaded Greece in 492 BC. So this was kind of a, I'm going to finish what my dad started, kind of, I, I, huh, I never would have compared Xerxes to George W. Bush before, but here we are. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah, he, he fell to his son to carry out his father's wishes. 
That's awesome. I didn't know that Xerxes was his whole campaign was built on. They made my daddy look bad, so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take mm-hmm. care of this. Which he's not the only person to do that in history no. for sure. Um, especially any sort of you know hereditary lineage. Um, like you always want to fulfill what your father did. Henry VIII was trying to do better than Henry the Seventh and other things. You know, like that happened, but. Um, you know, this one got a big uh, movie because of it. So you don't realize that a lot of this was kind of, I don't want to say daddy issues, but kind of daddy issues. Yeah, even God kings have daddy issues. Xerxes, also not the eldest of Darius's sons, but as he's the firstborn of his marriage with Atasa and was chosen as successor. Dar- upon Darius's death, Xerxes' older half-brother Artabazinus claimed the throne, but was rebuffed because his mother was a commoner but Xerxes' mother was the daughter of the great Cyrus. Interesting that Leonidas and Xerxes were both not the first choice mm-hmm. and then got the throne anyway. Xerxes married the princess Amestris, daughter of Otanus, who had become mother to his sons Darius Histaspis, Artaxerxes I, Achaemenes, and daughters Ametis and Rhodogoni. Jesus. Sorry about these names. I don't speak Greek. Or Persian, sorry. I don't think Persian's a language. Is it a language? No. I, I don't think so. I don't know, though. I would, you know, like, the only language, I guess, that comes to the top of my head would be some sort of Arabic, and I know that's, I don't know if it was the same yeah. as it would be today. I also can't pronounce Arabic names either. I'm very bad. So there's probably going to be a lot of mispronunciation, too. Yeah, we're doing our best. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It'd be like that. So, the Battle of Thermopylae, where all of this comes from. We know Leonidas became king of Sparta. We know Xerxes became king of Persia. And their armies met in 480 BC. Mm-hmm. Under Xerxes I, the Persian army moved south through Greece on the eastern coast, accompanied by the Persian navy moving parallel to the shore. To reach its destination at Attica, the region controlled by the city-state of Athens, the Persians needed to go through the coastal pass of Thermopylae, also known as the Hot Gates, which does come up in the movie. So the Hot Gates are the kind of like narrow pass where the per- the Spartans were able to hold back the Persians for as long as they were able mm-hmm. to until that fucking hunchback ruined everything for them. Quasimodo, damn you. <laughs> I mean, Leonidas, all he had to say was, all right, just fight in the back and leave us alone. He was going to die anyway, so just <laughs> let him do it, but whatever. Yeah. In the late summer of 480 BC, Leonidas led an army of 6,000 to 7,000 Greeks from many city-states, including 300 Spartans in an attempt to prevent the Persians from passing through Thermopylae. Mm-hmm. And I think it is odd that only the 300 Spartans have gotten historical recognition for this. Yeah, uh, it makes sense, though. Like, it's odd, but it also makes sense. Because, I mean, if you're thinking about the Greek city-states, people know Athens, and they know Sparta. Like, do you know anything about Thebes? Only from what I heard in The Mummy, and I'm pretty sure that's okay. not accurate. Yeah, like, there, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of other ones. I think there was, what five or six city-states that were joined in this, like Locrians, Phone- or, oh gosh, Arcadians, Philoeus, Mycenaeans. I only know about the Mycenaeans because of Alexander the Great, and he wasn't even, like, a thing yet. The Arcadians um, do come up in this movie, but they're, like, a joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that moment where Arcadians show up and Leonidas has 300, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, why did... Why did I bring more soldiers than you? And Leonidas is like, what do you do? I'm a sculptor. What do you do? I'm a baker. And he's like, what do you do, Spartans? And they're all like, hoo-ah. It's like, you see, I did bring more soldiers than you. It's a great moment, but why are we shitting on the Arcadians? I like, mean, you really shouldn't because uh, they brought more people. And in this day of age, I'm sorry, numbers are more important. Like, yeah, you have 300, but look what happened to you guys. Mm, you died. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. It is just, yeah, I don't know why they decided to. I think in the second one, I I saw it one time, and the Athenians are kind of seen as like, oh, what are you, you know, a bunch of artists, and all of a sudden yeah. you're going to take on the Persians, and they're like, in Leonidas's name, we must. It's like, come on, you don't give a shit about Leonidas. No. no, I mean, that's why Greece, like, wasn't united, and that's why Persia ends up taking over. If you're not united, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed in that aspect. Yeah, a house divided against itself cannot mm-hmm. stand. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure a certain historical American said that one. Yeah, I think a guy with a top hat did that. Yeah, fought a lot of vampires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so to prevent the Persians from passing through Thermopylae, Leonidas led 7,000 Greeks and 300 Spartans. He established his army at Thermopylae using that narrow tunnel as a way to kind of just 
pick them off. For two days, the Greeks withstood the, the attacks of the Persians, who outnumbered them by a fucking lot. So it's pretty admirable that he was able to do this. It really does speak to the, like, warrior prowess yeah. of the Spartans. And just how, you know, the Persians were like, we got the numbers, so let's not, we don't have to try here. Uh, it worked well at first. However, he did not know there was a route over the mountains to the west of Thermopylae that would allow the enemy to bypass his fortified position. A local Greek told Xerxes about this. I don't know if he was a hunchback. I didn't realize that part was kind of true. The Persian army were led across it. They surrounded the Greeks. Much of the Greek force retreated. Leonidas and the 300 Spartans fucking stayed, as well as some Thespians and some Thebans. Mm -hmm. Everyone was killed, along with the allies. So the Persians found and beheaded Leonidas's corpse, an act at the time that was considered to be a grave insult. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure beheading still considered it's, a grave insult. Yeah, I would say it's still pretty, uh, pretty insulting. If somebody cut my head off, I would be pretty peeved. I would haunt them for the rest of their life. <laughs> so, after the battle, Leonidas' sacrifice did not prevent the Persians from moving down the Greek coast into Boeotia. In September of 480 BC, however, the Athenian navy defeated the Persians at the Battle of Salamis, after which the Persians returned home. And I believe this is the event that the second movie covers. The Athenians. But Leonidas' action demonstrated Sparta's willingness to sacrifice itself for protection of the Greek region. So his sacrifice did steal up the Greeks to be like, well, if he could withstand the Persians, even till death, maybe we could pull this off. And they kind of did. Leonidas achieved lasting fame for his personal sacrifice. They became um, hero cults were an established custom in ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. Dead heroes were worshipped. You know, we all hear about like the legend of Achilles and Hercules, mm -hmm. Leonidas. Uh, dead heroes were worshipped as intermediaries to the gods. Forty years after the battle, Sparta retrieved Leonidas's remains, they think, and a shrine was built in his honor. They just kind of found a headless soldier and just assumed it was Leonidas, and they worshipped it. So, 300. Um, I know that Frank Miller's graphic novel was based on a film from the 60s called The 300 Spartans, which... Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate that film is. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I'm no. assuming it's more accurate than this. Um, so some major questions I had regarding the movie. Um, when the film opens, we find out that in the realm of the movie, Spartans uh, discard any babies they deem to be unfit uh, by tossing them off this mountain to a great pit of Baby bones. These are our heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, how accurate is this? Uh, pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate, for sure. Uh, they were one of the first cultures to practice eugenics like that. Ooh. It's hard to root for people who are just, you know, discarding imperfect babies. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, again, it's like one of those things. It's a different time, you know. Like, survival of the fittest is the name of the game. We don't care about people that are weak because we have to feed you. We can't feed you. Like, we, we got to make sure other city-states aren't taking us over, so we're going to eat these small babies off a cliff. I would have been yeeted. I know that. I was small as a kid. Like, I wouldn't be here if I was in Sparta. I also probably wouldn't be a good warrior even though I'm a woman, but I still would have been required to have some sort of strength. I'm, st I'm small. They wouldn't have liked me there. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is hard, especially, you know, when you're like, I'm supposed to like these guys, and they're, they're killing babies because... The baby is small or, you know, like there's something wrong. Like, oh, man. Ugh. It's not just that. They're also intensely proud of it. Yeah, they are. Um, but they weren't the only people to do that at all. Um, that definitely was a thing that was practiced by others. We just know the Spartans for it because, you know, it kind of produced results because of that. Yeah. If you, you know, specifically push your entire society mm -hmm. towards, per, you know, what you deem as physical perfection. Yep you're going to have a shit ton of warriors and people are going to be afraid of you. Oh, yeah. It, it's effective. It's, it's not, you know... It is not morally correct, yeah. but it's effective. And at that time, you had to have some sort of, you know, yeah. military might, otherwise you were toast. And that is, you know, it's the ancient world. You know, if, if you survived the ancient world, you, you weren't allowed to be weak. You no. had to adapt. You had to find a way to contribute. Mm-hmm in some capacity or your ass was going to die. Oh yeah. 
So, you know, you could sculpt, you could be an Athenian, you could learn, you know, you could learn the fucking Pythagorean theorem, or you could pick up a spear and kill a wolf. Uh, the way it worked in the movie is not quite accurate. They didn't just go to this giant mountain and hurl no. dead babe or, you know, weak babies into the baby bone pit. As thunder and lightning rained behind them. Yeah. Um, that's mostly uh, dismissed as a myth by modern historians. Instead, they really just, they went outside the city walls and they just left the baby outside. Mm -hmm. They just went to a nearby hillside, dropped the baby, went back inside and let nature take its course. Yep. I honestly don't know what's worse. Like, an yeah. instant death off the mountain or a slow death in the woods. I would say instant death off a mountain. I can't imagine how terrifying that is for a baby that's like 100% reliant on the care and love of their mom and dad just to be like, bye. It's just like, leave them. Yeah. Or, you know, if you really love that weird misshapen kid, you can take your hunchback baby overseas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Raise them with Spartan values and then hope he runs into the king one day and, you know, the king doesn't tell him to raise his shield. Yeah. The shield, you know, the king understands that hunchbacks can't do that, but he also probably has never encountered a hunchback before because they were all killed. Um, so. It's got to be weird to live in a society where everybody has like a, a you know, six pack abs and wanna, insane like, warrior prowess. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's one of the doubts I had. I don't think everybody would have had six packs. Dude, I don't believe that. This, like, this fucking cast, hard. this fucking cast didn't have six packs. No, all, most I, of they, those are CGI. I could tell. I was yeah. like, those are too perfect. They all they're have all the, symmetrical and the same. I'm like, yeah. there's no way all these men are that chiseled. Everyone's abs matched. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> God. Um, the other question I had was about the agogi, the Spartan, like manhood ritual, where. A seven-year-old child is left to his own devices in the mountains, told to kill and come back when he's a man. Uh, yeah, this happened. This was true. The Spartan Education Program, as mm -hmm. it's called. <laughs> um, it's also pronounced agoge in ancient Greek and agoja in modern English. So they didn't look. They didn't bother with pronunciation. That always bugs me in movies. Yeah, it's like you're paying. $60 million for this movie. You can't have someone find out how this is pronounced. You would think, but no, it's okay. We're not focused on that. We didn't have to pronounce it while reading the, the you know, graphic novel. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. um, Agoja translates to raising in the sense of raising livestock from youth towards a specific purpose. The program was first instituted by the lawgiver Lycurgus, in the 9th century BC, was integral to Sparta's military strength and political power. When you just exile all of your imperfect children to death and take your existing children and forge them mentally into warriors, you cannot be stopped. Mm -mm. It's fucked up, but it, it works. Yeah. It I, I don't know if I should be disgusted or impressed. It's I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of mixed emotions here. I mean, you know, in terms of the fact... That the whole goal of like living way back when is just survival, you know, new missions survive. Um, they're 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 pretty good. Like honestly, like with that strategy, it was a, a pretty solid plan. Um, again, from a modern perspective, that's awful. But we don't have to focus on surviving all the time. I can just like go to H E B and get like Cheerios at one in the morning because I'm not worried about someone killing me on the road. Um, different times. I'm glad to be alive in the 21st century. And I don't have to worry about the Agoja or getting yeeted off of a cliff or being left to die. Well, you would never have to worry about the Agoja. Spartan girls out. were not allowed to join. They were educated at home by their mothers and told, you have to be a good wife. That is all you have to worry about. Gotta make sure I raise those big sons. <laughs> Boys entered the Agoja at the age of seven, graduated around 30, at which time they were allowed to marry and start a family. So it's like modern PhD people. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're not, you know, getting chiseled. You're just like getting smart on one particular thing. I'm getting <laughs> mentally chiseled on his on history. I'm gonna be looking like Megamind pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the midst of my <laughs> educational agoja. God, damn, that's a weird way of putting it, but yeah, you're right. I it. Huh. The goal of the Agoja was the transformation of boys into Spartan soldiers, whose loyalty was only to Sparta and their brothers in arms. Not their families, just their fellow warriors and to the nation-state of Sparta. 
Literacy was included in the curriculum, but it wasn't considered that important. Not next to military training and survival skills. You don't need to read. No. In this, in this day and age, no. You, no. Um, as in other Greek city-states, homoerotic relationships between older candidates and younger were considered a natural aspect Hell of growth yeah. <laughs> and maturity. But in Sparta, they, uh, they were encouraged to create a tighter bond between the men who would eventually serve in the armed forces. So what's tighter than homoerotica relationship? That is a very good question. She's pretty tight. I, I don't know if I want to know the answer to that. Um, yeah, I guess they were just told, you know, make it a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of all relationships. I believe they called it a phalanx back then. Ah, that is what that was. That's why the hunchback couldn't be in because he didn't think he was cool enough to join their phalanx. Oh my God. Leonidas like, is gross. Yeah, the guy is just like, I don't know. body shaming. Shame on him. Jesus. (laughs) God. Um, So, yeah, a lot of this, it's less, you know, go into the woods, come back when you're a man, and more just like, go into the woods with this older man, and together you'll find out what it means to be a man. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, like, it doesn't matter that these kids are born you know, of a people that are really strong. You can't expect any seven-year-old to go into the woods by themselves, like, kill a wolf. Like, I work with seven-year-olds. I had a seven-year-old cry a week after he fell down on the first day of school. He was still crying about it a week later. I guarantee you the Spartan kids were still like that. They just got it, like, beaten out of them because you were allowed to do that back then. I couldn't laugh at this kid for crying um, because that's mean, but I really wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was crying a week after he fell. It still bothered him. I don't think Leonidas was crying a week after he had to say bye to his mom. Maybe he was, but he knew it was coming. Leonidas didn't cry when he was facing a sky full of arrows. <laughs> I, I'd probably, I'd probably die. Yeah, I'd have a panic attack. I'm just, bleh, my heart would kill itself. Sapuku, <laughs> we'd be good. Yeah, Leonidas killed a giant wolf when he was seven. Came back. Became king of Sparta as a child, kicked a messenger in a well, and then lied to the Spartan government. Which is weird, because isn't, isn't he the Spartan government? Like, he is, um, but he did have people that were over him, too. They had checks and balances and stuff. I don't think I could take orders from a man in a toga. I'm just going to say that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I had abs like that. Yeah, well, okay, that's another... I have a point about that that I'll bring up later, but I'll let you keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's talk about some highlights from the movie that we'd like to bring to this. Um, Why don't you start us out? What are some some moments in the movie where you're just like, come on? Um, I mean, like, I don't know if I should go in chronological order or not. Let's see, what did I... This isn't historic. Uh, However... I feel like the CGI didn't age well, and that kind of plays on later. Because CGI is used a lot in the movie um, to create some historical inaccuracies, which, again, will be discussed. But if we're going into historical stuff, because that's what this is about, overall, there's not enough titty in this movie. (laughs) Okay. There's not. Elaborate, please. Yeah, so, you know, I was doing my research on uh, Spartan culture, because I don't know a lot about it. I'm very much like a medieval buff. Um, But... From what I saw, the Spartans are kind of like the the Greek city-state that was known for more, quote, risque dress. Like, especially from, like, our modern perspective. So it wouldn't have been, you know, uncommon to see men and women walking around, like, showing off their stuff. They were known to have, like, practiced, like, nudity in, in sports and all that. And the fact that there were only two titty scenes from a woman in Sparta and only one from the chicks in Persia, that's that's really lacking. I'm sorry. Like, I know this is a, an R-rated movie. There could have been more. I'm not trying to look for titties, but if we're going for historical accuracy, there was not enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Valid point. Um, <laughs> I bet, you know, that is, that comes probably from, I mean... I want to say maybe the actresses. Yeah, that's fair. But, like that's yeah. But Lena Headey has a pretty steamy sex scene in this movie, where her and Leonidas just go at it in several different positions. They wanted us to know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. If I'm not wrong, I think she was the only one whose titties you saw that was on the Greek side, and that was it. And I'm like, mm, there should have been more than that. Like, 
There'd just be a chick walking around in the background, just like letting her baby like suck her breast, and then that's just like that's that's just how it is. But nope, it happened. Fair enough. <laughs> I um, I'd like to talk about the oracles. Ah yes, the oracles. Yeah, and the e- the ephors, ephors. Yep. The weird leper, like demigod people who declare. It is not time for war. It is time to celebrate the seasons. Uh, And what they do is they take, excuse me, quote, the most beautiful of Spartan girls and force them to be oracles. And that, I don't like the implications of that. Oh, God. Gross. Yeah, those whole, those guys were nasty. And also corrupt as shit and Mm -hmm. working for Xerxes because he promised them gold. Mm -hmm. All they want is gold. Um... I know I keep coming back to the hunchback. It's su- he's such an important part of the movie. It failed his. Yeah. And all he wants to do is just fight with his brothers. And Leonidas is like, you ugly. Get out of here. <laughs> we don't want you in our failings. <laughs> like, just give the guy a T-shirt and tell him he's great. Yeah. That's all he wants. Well, you know, Leonidas' dad probably didn't do that to him. So why is he going to give it to some hunchback? <laughs> Go back to Notre Dame, you scum. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. And then Xerxes is like, hey, man, you're great. And you, you know what would be really great? Tell me about that goat path. I'll give you women. I'll give you gold. I'll give you some respect. I will give you titties. I'll look you in the eye. How about that? Ooh, yeah. All you have to do is kneel because I know you can do that because you can't stand. Ha ha. Yeesh. Yeah, it was that. <laughs> yep. But then later when, you know, Xerxes is massacring the Spartans. The Fealties has this, like, what have I done? Look in his eye. And he's wearing a really cute hat. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the best part of the movie was seeing his hat. Because <laughs> his third request was, I want a uniform. Yeah. But he didn't have the same uniform as anybody else. He had, like, a little, like, moon moon hat going on. It was so cute. I was like, aw. Even though he betrayed the Spartans. There was like, going to be. a cute little outfit he's got on. There's going to be some court gesturing at, when this was over. Oh hell yeah. yeah! Like that, yeah. That's exactly what would happen. <laughs> Poor dude. Like, but even before that, he had a uniform. Like he did. But Leonidas is like, who's you? Whose is that really? And he's like, my dad's. He's like, yeah, I know. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be alive. <laughs> Again, this is our hero. It's, it's weird. Like our hero is really a like eugenics-driven piece of shit. Yeah. That was how it was back then. Like, that was, that's how it was. Oh my God. I can't imagine anybody being held to that regard today. Like, but yeah. Mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, the accents. Oh, Lord. Now, admittedly, casting all an all Greek cast, I don't think is feasible. No. But why does every film that takes place in any country in Europe. Why is it always English accents? Like always. Always. I don't I I don't know the extent of England's empire. I know it was huge, but I don't know if they ever were in Greece. Not in 480 BC. Yeah, well I know in 480 BC they for (laughs) sure weren't, but like yeah, no. I don't I don't I hate I hate watching historical movies, and it's like, oh, like, this is about Ivan the Terrible, and he's all like, oi, mate, it's me, Ivan the Terrible, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill people because my first wife died, like, I'm mad, like, that's not what he would have sounded like, like, either have the movie in the language that they would have been speaking, or do an accent, I don't know, like, do people think it's offensive to do an accent that's not English, like, is that, is that why we don't do accents in movies? Because I feel like it's more offensive just to put an English accent on everybody, because that, like, takes away, like, the because if these dudes were actually, because speaking English in general wouldn't have happened. So that's already, like, wrong. But, like, if they were speaking English, but the, their first tongue was Greek yeah. or whatever, they would have had an accent that wasn't English. I think the regrettable fact is that if this film is in Greek, it's not going to make as much money. People, that's true. People in America don't want to see foreign films. Ew, subtitles. Yeah. They I don't, hate reading. They don't want to read. It's fucking tragic. Well, the Spartans didn't want to read either, so. Yeah, Leonidas couldn't read. He was too busy kicking ass. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of big leaders out there that couldn't read. Charlemagne was one. I found out I'm related to him. 
Oh really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's I'm cool. I'm gonna I'm I'm gathering the forces to claim my throne as Let's we speak. Go take back the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> Get the Pope to crown you. Charlemagne the second coming at you. <laughs> um <laughs> But um yeah, it's it's always obnoxious, it always takes me out of the movie. Um the worst one I ever saw is in like worst offender, not movie. Movie wasn't great. Um Enemy at the Gates, two thousand one. It's a film that takes place during the Battle of Stalingrad. I think I've told you about this. Um, it follows a Russian sharpshooter uh, named Vasily Saitsev, mm. played by Jude Law. So already, like, ugh. And uh, he's hunting a German sharpshooter, played by Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. Right, so, come on. And there's a scene where we meet, um, I think it's Nikita Khrushchev or Joseph Stalin, one of, one of the famous Russian leaders. And it's Bob Hoskins. Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, one of the big Cockney actors of the 80s and 90s. And he's just like, you fucking what, mate? We're Russians here? <laughs> and I'm like, no more. I'm out. I'm, at that point, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It's gross. Like, they didn't even try. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Like, it really bothers me. Um, and I could talk more about it, but I guess we're still focused on 300. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many examples of English accents in places they should not be. Yeah. I can't wait to watch a movie about, like, Mexican culture and they're speaking with English accents. I'm a really rage. We did that recently on Oscar Sunday. We did a movie called Viva Zapata. It's about Emiliano Zapata. And Marlon Brando played Emiliano. And actual Mexican-American actor Anthony Quinn played his brother. And Marlon Brando is browned up. With a big burly mustache and a sombrero. And he's like, I am Emiliano Zapata. It's an ASA, como estas? Oh my God, it it hurt. Ew. <laughs> that episode pissed us off so much. Austin and I went into some rants that got really personal. I don't know, I probably would too. <laughs> I, I do regret aspects of that episode, but I blame that movie entirely. I mean, because is Austin Hispanic too? No, or he's no? he's okay, he's, he's as white as, as like he's clear. Yeah. <laughs> like my cousins. <laughs> I love you, Austin, but I think I'm right. <laughs> but it was very, I mean, he still is, you know, he, he understands how fucked up that is. Yeah. And we always have very good conversations about that. Um, I'm actually curious about his opinion on 300. I'll have to note to self. Um, so I thought it was interesting how every time they're fighting the Persians, it's like a new, like, costume change. Yeah. Like these are you know regular Persians and then advanced Persian mm-hmm. and then Rhino Persian yeah. giant Persian <laughs> elephant like, Persian <laughs> troll Persian whatever the hell that was yeah. hard <laughs> and then these guys the immortals who aren't <laughs> I love how they were like let's test that out <laughs> and they just killed one yeah, like nope like, no they're not <laughs> and I okay this is one of the things that really got me about this movie when I was like done writing my notes yesterday I was like thinking of something in my head, and I realized that every single Persian character except for the archers and the heralds are portrayed as non-human. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Any single time, like, any of them were killed, they sound like thromps, or they're like, and, like, they don't sound like people. So the only people that they portray as, like, human are the dudes they call cowards and the dudes they, like, yeet into a well, which is... That's kind of messed up because the Persian Empire was like huge. Like it was bigger than like, I don't know if it was bigger than Rome, but like, I'm pretty sure it was like, it was ginormous. And just the fact that they're like, I don't, you know, you say history is written by the winners. This clearly wasn't because <laughs> the Spartans lost. Um, but also I know Alexander the Great, he goes and he does a pretty big smear campaign against Xerxes later on, which is why our modern perceptions of him are pretty bad. Um, just like with Richard III, but still, like, like the immortals, first of all, would not be wearing those, like, cool, like, scream masks, whatever the hell was going on there, like, they had, like, a different uniform going on, um, and they weren't, like, deformed trolls that, like, you take off their mask and you're like, like, I'm gonna kill you, and they, like, make some sort of weird, I don't know, like, Castlevania, like, death, dying noise, it's gross. I don't understand that. And then so were the E4s. The E4s, too, were not, like, a bunch of, like, old, deranged dudes. They were elected people that had some sort of, like, you know, like, check over the king. But I guess, you know, I told my brother that, and he was like, well, yeah, that's kind of, like, how they would have been viewed back then. They are a bunch of, like, 
you know? Lepers on a mountain. <laughs> They're lepers on a mountain that just want money. Yeah. Like, I guess, but... <laughs> that's my biggest thing with, with history movies or movies that are based on history is the people that are history inclined are going to be like, all right, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. Like, this wasn't what happened. But then there's going to be people out there that were like, oh, yeah, I know everything mm-hmm. about the Battle of Thermopylae yep. and, and Leonidas and all this stuff. They had rhinos and they had, you know, like, any single time arrows rained down, their capes were covered in them, but there were no holes. Like, woo, magical. He- it's stupid. I don't know. It bothers me. That's the big reason I wanted to do this podcast. Is I hate that so much. You know, the phrase based on a true story has become so just taken as gospel truth. Yeah. Where in reality, like 90% of the movie is bullshit. It's it made is. up. It's it's fiction. I mean, it's good most of the it, time, but it's fake. Yeah, you're just using the names and likenesses yeah. kind of, and that's it. Which is cool, but don't, like, make up a fake battle. I don't know. Or change the names. Like, yeah. don't, I don't know. Ugh. I mean, like, bothers me. the biggest, um, like, offender of that whole thing is a film that came out a few years ago called Green Book, uh, 2018. It's the, quote-unquote, true story of a jazz musician named Don Shirley, who, um, and his driver, a guy named, Italian dude named Tony Lip. Hey! And uh, the friendship that blossomed between mm-hmm. the two of them. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of their families are still alive. And Don Shirley's family was like, all this is bullshit. They never talked like that. They weren't friends. Yeah. He drove him. That's it. And Tony Lip's family wrote this this movie about how, like, you know, his, his their father, like, befriended Don Shirley and helped, helped him find himself. And it's like, everyone was like, no. That movie won, like, four Oscars, including Best Picture. <sighs> and the problem is, if you know nothing about the story, the movie's really, really good. Yeah. But if you know anything about the true story, it's going to piss you off. Yeah. And yeah, one day, a Green Book's one I'd like to do on this show. Uh, but then it's also like it's Best Picture winner, so that might end up on Oscar Sunday. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff to think about there. Anyway, yeah. I think if you're going to call a movie a true story, try a little harder. Just, just a little bit. Don't put Tolkien elements into this. <laughs> I don't care if you pulled it from a graphic novel. I don't want someone to actually think... That there was some sort of like ogre back then, or Xerxes was eight feet tall and sounded like he had some sort of like voice amplifier. Cause he didn't sound like he was talking naturally. That was not his real voice. There is no way. Like, I will not believe anybody. It's like, yeah, that's what he sounds like. Like, mm-mm. no. Bullshit. That actor had something going on. It's like him. if Darth Vader went to Hot Topic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, he looked like Emotep, kind of, from the mummy. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, his voice really bothered me. Um, I thought like his like, outfit was kind of cool like i don't know like how accurate that would have been i doubt it but like you know like the amount of jewels and stuff yeah you would have had that if you were king and piercings and all but like in the second in the second one we get to see how he became the god king oh yes and it's it's a dude just regular looking dude i think the actor rodrigo santoro what he really looks like and he like steps into this liquid i think it's supposed to be the river Styx or something and he emerges the eight-foot-tall god King Xerxes. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> wow. The conqueror has arrived. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, it's ridiculous. And I also think a big part is that the older a story is, the less people feel inclined to actually tell it correctly. No, that's true. It's not like Leonidas's ancestor is going to be like, how dare you besmirch my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather's name? Yeah, no. It's not going to happen. No, because it's not something that you can really relate to. Like, none of us have lived in a time that's anything like classical antiquity. Like, we don't know what that's like. So we can we can have free liberty with it because it's kind of romanticized now. Like, there's video games that are made about that time period. Yeah. You know, Disney's made a movie about it. Like, there's so many things. Um, it's really easy to run wild with it. But that takes away from, like, the cool aspect. Because we're still talking about these historical things today. And that was over 2,000 years ago. Like... It's impressive. Like, that man still is being talked about, even if he was portrayed interestingly in a movie. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think if somebody existed, regardless of how long ago they existed, and you're going to tell their story, you have an obligation to to history, to their story, to tell it correctly, as, as accurate as you can with the sources provided to you. Agreed. That's just, you know. Or you can take his story throw in some crazy shit and call it a graphic novel. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. 
Um, why is there a fight with a troll in this movie? I don't know. Just like, I don't know why there was like some executioner ogre that had saws for hands. Like, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get that. Or like, you know, the goat man in the harem scene. Like, what? KSSO, like, what is going on? It oh. is very strange. And I guess it's just to show, you know, it's to connect you, it's to connect, connect Xerxes and the Persians to monsters. You're supposed to associate them. They're the ones who are using trolls and goat people and giant rhinos and battle elephants like they're fucking Hannibal. And (laughs) Leonidas is using men. Yeah. Homegrown Uh. Spartan men. So he's the good guy. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah. Man. Oh, boy. Yeah. I laughed. That was the one scene that I laughed at for sure was the when the battle rhino arrived um, cause I know like elephants were used never once have I ever heard of rhino be used. Although like, you know, you think about like, Oh, that'd be, that'd be badass. Rhinos have horrible eyesight and they are not domesticated and they're, they're prey animals. Like they're huge, but they're prey. So they're, they're scared easily. You're not going to be able to ride one of those into battle. Like that's not going to happen. Um, and then there's no evidence that Xerxes brought elephants to this battle, nor do I believe there's a lot of evidence that he used them. The Persians did at some point, but I don't think Xerxes used them yet. Like, or at least at that point in time, he hadn't been utilizing them. Um, so whatever. I mean, at least the elephants weren't like, you know, shooting lasers out of their eyes or something like, or they weren't like mastodons or there or were, mammoths. there were the like squad of Persian mystics who were like throwing yeah. grenades. Yeah. There's like fireworks coming out. Uh huh. <laughs> And they like exploded all of them. Yet the crimson capes remained unscathed. That really bothered me. Like the, you know, the rainstorm of arrows and you see them going into the capes, but then they get up and there are no holes. There are no tears. There's nothing wrong with their capes. They're fine because they're the Spartans and they're untouchable until they're not. And then they all get killed. Maybe the Spartan laundry goes through some agoja of its own. Maybe like you leave a cape out in the woods for 30 days. It comes back impenetrable yeah you can't you can't destroy it it's perfect (laughs) oh boy um okay what else you got um i don't remember at the beginning whenever they they like push the dude into the well was he sent by xerxes yeah he was xerxes messenger So he would have been sent by darius the first not xerxes Mm. um whenever that happened darius sent messengers over in athens and spartans um, the Athens pushed them off of a cliff and the Spartans pushed them into a well. So that part was accurate. However, comma, when Xerxes came in, they didn't send people to Athens or Sparta because of what had happened <laughs> in the past. They were like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't do that because our dude is at the bottom of a well now. Um, so that was like a small little, hmm, that didn't happen. Also, the this is also like very nitpicky, but the E4s, they said it's August they wouldn't have called it August yet because Caesar Augustus didn't exist. Um, I caught that. I was like, nope, wrong. That's nope. There is no <laughs> nitpick too small for this show. Well, it wasn't August. It was something <laughs> else. I couldn't pronounce what it is, but the Spartans did have a calendar. Um, but I don't know how they determined like when certain you know periods of the year started. Um, so that happened. Also, at the very end, when Leonidas is the last to fall, that would have been the other way around. He was the first to fall. And it wasn't, I don't think it was um, arrows. I think they actually, like, went at each other in a classic, like, combat where they ran at each other. And then he fell first. And they tried to rally the troops. Didn't happen. And then they got shot with arrows. And then they were killed. But he wasn't like, oh, I'm I'm the last one standing. It's been an honor to die with you, brother. Like, no. (laughs) It didn't happen either. But that's okay. We can put, that's not that, like, offensive. Because he's, like, the main character. So, of course, like, you'd want him to... That'd be kind of depressing if you showed what actually happened, which he just dies first. Um, which I think that happens in Glory. They don't have Matthew Broderick like survive till the end. He just like dies and they keep. So they did it yeah. good in Glory. Glory yeah. ends so fucking just depressingly. Just yeah. like we, you know, we we came so far and let's do this, and they're all dead within five but, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I gotta say though, for the messenger scene, it is pretty hardcore to it show is. up with. The like the the skulls of conquered kings and be like kneel or you're going in the bag. That, that's pretty badass. It is no like I definitely 
there, there's a lot of badass elements in this movie. Like, that's badass. The the cool, like, palindrome Xerxes is on with, like, all the dudes beneath him, like, wacky. That would, like, it would have been that crazy. That looked like it was made of marble. So I don't even think that is anybody so, could have like, moved it. There's <laughs> no, like, practicality behind but, that whatsoever. Like, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then just, like, all the dudes going, whoo, like, at the same time, like, that's pretty badass. I would be pretty terrified if I were on the Persian side hearing that, like, Oh shit! Like, <laughs> like we got more numbers, but they said "who" at the same time. That's kind of that's kind of spooky. <laughs> um, I know Gerard Butler improvised the line "This is Sparta" when he kicked the guy into the hole. That's like every movie, apparently. Yeah. Any cool part, they're like, "Did you know that was improvised?" Like, yeah, every every cool. Well, it was part like is the improvised. seventh or eighth take, and it wasn't hitting right. So they're like, "Why don't you try something, Gerard? Anything?" And he's like, "Okay, I think I got something." And he just said that, and he kicked the dude, and yeah, I think the kick was supposed to happen because if not, that's 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 fucked up. You don't just kick a guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was trying to figure out what language the opening song was in. Um, I was really hoping I could tell that it was Latin, so I could shit on that, but I couldn't tell <laughs> if it was Latin or Greek. But I did find it interesting because it sounded like it was a Western culture language. I couldn't tell, but the last song they played was an Arabic sounding song. Um, I don't want to like look too deep into it, but you know, I like to think that's foreshadowing for what's to come for Greece, because you know, eventually they do fall to Persia. Um, but that was—I don't know—that was kind of interesting. Uh, the only other thing that I guess I like had that I can think of is Gorgo's role. Mm. Um, like she definitely was, you know, like Spartan women were revered a lot more, I guess better that didn't sound right but you know like they, they were revered better than women especially like in athens they had more rights they were considered citizens however comma there is no evidence that gorgo went to the went to the council and was all like oh yes we have to fight because my husband needs it and then the rapey dudes just are like you whore and then like that that wasn't a thing in fact Le leonidas um knew he was gonna die going into the battle and apparently um he told her before he left like marry someone else be happy Damn. And left. Um, so she probably wouldn't have gone because she's like, yeah, he's going to die because that's what that's what you want as a Spartan. Like, you want to die in battle. Um, you can go with, like, Achilles and, and Hercules and all those dudes and be like, yeah, I'm in the stars, Danny DeVito. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, that's, that's another thing that's probably going to bother me in the future is when you push a strong woman role onto someone that was not historically a strong woman, like... If you're gonna do that do do a movie about an actual strong woman don't yeah. be like oh this person was so look at that we're gonna well like, and then also to just shoehorn in a rape scene yeah like that i don't know that just felt like they were that was gross and then all this stuff with her just felt like they were reaching for more time they were like we don't want this movie to only be an hour and in 30 minutes we need it to be an hour and 45 let's have her talking to this guy and then we'll come back and we'll have her tie. Oh, now she's getting raped. Oh God. Like, I don't know why you put that in there, but we're going to do it anyway. So that whenever she stabs him, everyone's like, Oh yeah, justice. He's oh, great. He's paid off by Xerxes and he was sucked. Wait, like, why are you going to carry around your Persian bribe yeah. when you're going to work? Like, well, especially if you probably would have been, uh, not as cloaked. That's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I like how all the dudes yelled traitor at the same time. It's like traitor, and they're all like traitors. That they just turn into a mob. It's not like the South Park people yeah. where they're like blah, blah, rabble, 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 yeah. Rabble, yeah. <laughs> traitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an odd movie. Um, and then you got I already forgot his name, Faramir, saying like you know telling the story and being like and you know Leonidas fell upon the rest of of the men and the arrows were sharp. And the arrows were pointy. Like, I feel like he's very descriptive in this movie. <laughs> and they were made in China. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> I'm missing an eye. And now I will lead Sparta for some reason. It's like, what? No. But okay. Just Sparta, though. Yeah, just Sparta. And now we have, like, 30,000 people. Oh, where did all those dudes come from? I do, love, all... I do love at the end when he's like, and now they've faced 10,000 Spartans and also, like, 30,000 other Greeks. Like, he kind of <laughs> mentions that under his breath, and they're, like, all oh, behind Lord. the Spartans. Like, we're here, too. <laughs> like, I feel bad for other Greek city-states because they, too, like, they were strong. Like, Athens, yeah, they were more focused on culture and democracy and stuff. But they weren't like a bunch of little weak bitches that couldn't do anything because they would have been taken over at that point. Like, 
they wouldn't still be Athens if they didn't have some sort of, you know, military power behind them. But whatever, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah, the Spartans have become mythologized yeah. as like the only warriors of Greece. Yeah. And that's, you know, this movie's a big part of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's them. And then I guess you could say the Trojans, too. I don't know if you would consider them Greece, but we don't even, we don't know that, like, any of that actually yeah. ever happened. Like, Troy is a movie we can't really do here because yeah. there's no historical basis there. No. Yeah, it might just be a parable. It's probably a parable. It'd be cool if it was, like, legit. Yeah. Um, Imagine if we found the horse. That would be pretty. I mean, that's... I mean, you never know. Like, they could have found it, but they just didn't know what the hell it was. And they're like, I'm gonna make this into a house. And then, like... <laughs> yeah. Because, like, that happened all the time. Like, yeah. when you're not, you know, like, now we're so focused on preserving things. Because we're in a time where we don't have to fight for our lives. You know, we don't have to survive. We can do things like make podcasts or like watch movies. But like way back when, when you're just focused on surviving, you're going to use whatever materials you have. You're going to use, you know, like the, the temple stones to rebuild your house. Cause like that culture is gone. And like, yeah, now my house is here. And like, no people in the future aren't going to know that like, Oh yeah, that house is actually made from this old place because they didn't care that's, about preserving history. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of things that we've most definitely lost that could actually still be out there. Just not together anymore because they were made into something else. Cause like, why am I going to go mine my own stone and quarry it when I can just like take it from this mission that's defunct now? <laughs> that's like crazy. Yeah. How many lost cultures were just like lost because people needed something to build? Yeah. Well, a lot of the buildings in, like, Mexico City were built from, like, Aztec stuff were built Mm -hmm. on top of it. So it's like... I was hoping for, like, they they consistently mentioned the gods in this movie, but I was hoping for a little bit more specificity, like, you know, Zeus, Poseidon. They said Zeus once. Yeah, like, are are we not praying to Ares here? I mean, you want the god of war's blessing for this, right? (laughs) Maybe. Well, okay, and then, too, if you're going to have all these, like, like, you know, like, mythological aspects to it, like, the ogres and stuff. Why couldn't you throw a god in there? Like, you couldn't you couldn't have, like, an appearance of, like, Apollo or Ares or something, just, like, in the background, like, blessing you. Oh or, god. you know, like, you could have done that, and that would have been cool. But no, we're going to make it Tolkien instead, like. I would have ended this thing with, like, Leonidas is about to, you know, get blasted by the arrows. There's a bolt of lightning from the sky. It's fucking Ares. He halts those arrows, walks up to Xerxes, says something badass like, you are no god, and like rips his head off. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty <laughs> I mean, sick. we've already gone as crazy yeah, as we can go here. Yeah, it's not accurate. So why not? Or if you still need to have Leonidas dying, you could have him being greeted by like Ares or Apollo or Hercules, and he's going into Hades, you know, or something like well, then, that. Like, cool. Then they're ripping off Gladiator. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like... <laughs> That's the Romans. These are the Greeks. This came before. Like, it's fine. But, like, that that could have been cool. But no. Like, I'm not going to put the coolest aspect of, like, Greek mythology in here. We're just going to put ogres and trolls and goathead people and women without arms. Because why not? I want to know why she was in there. Yeah. That bothered me when I saw that, too. I was like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's 300. Um, So what we're going to do with uh, every episode of this show is after hearing all the evidence and going through the film, we're going to label these films as either true or fake. And 300 is fucking fake. Yeah, it's fake. Yeah. It's fake news. (laughs) I, (laughs) I expected as much, you know, with the elements of fantasy... And, you know, it's basis more in Frank Miller's graphic novel than in the actual history. I'm not surprised. And this really isn't, this movie's not really considered a historical, like, you know, a biopic. Yeah. But it's based on actual events. So I think it deserves to be here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a fake from me, fake from you. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. This movie's, it's a, it's a good watch, but it's bullshit. So just, you know, keep that in mind when you're talking to people about how much, you know, about the battle of Thermopylae and this is your only source, maybe just skip that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Just don't embarrass yourself, man. (laughs) Well, this was fun. Uh, the inaugural fake true stories. I'm looking forward to doing these. I already have ideas for future movies. As do I. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. You know my spiel. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out on any of our podcasts, 
you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials. Please feel free to visit our website, or we, uh, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the podcast, click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate any donations. I'd like to thank my co-host, Isabel, for joining me today. Good job. And I'd like to officially welcome her to the Filmgasm team. <laughs> Be sure to check out our other shows, Oscar Sunday, every Sunday, the Filmgasm podcast every Wednesday, and Beyond the Bad every Friday. This podcast won't be a weekly release. Considering the amount of prep it requires and our mutual desire to have a life, yeah. we've decided to release episodes of Fake True Stories pretty sporadically. Whenever we feel like it. Gosh. <laughs> Whenever we both have the time to make one happen. So who knows when we'll be back. In the meantime, we've got plenty of content to keep you entertained throughout the week and an extensive back catalog that could keep you busy until our next episode drops. In the meantime, check out 300. If you haven't seen it before, you know, make your own judgment. It's currently streaming up free on HBO Max, and despite its historical inaccuracy, it's a pretty badass movie. See you all next time on Fake True Stories. <laughs>